Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How's it going? It's going all right. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Well, let's talk about the global economy. And well, obviously, let's talk about your health, Bruce. <laughs> no, we don't have enough time for that. Let's um, let's focus on the global economy. The levels of concern we've been having are relatively heightened, both on the front of elevated inflation, uh, also on the front of possible downward momentum and recession risks here. And um, we don't need to go through the backdrop to start this. I think we've been talking about it. But let's just get right into it and say, hey, what did this week's news bring on that on this sort of issue? Well, I, I think the the big two big macro pieces of information were from the U.S. payrolls report we got today and the uh, uh, the global PMI surveys, which we actually got last Friday for manufacturing, but we got the all industry this week. And I think you'd be forgiven for maybe feeling okay with, with the data. I mean, the U.S. payrolls numbers were pretty darn strong, right? I think it should put to rest those people out there who are saying we're already in recession. I don't know of a recession where you can grow what payrolls running probably 350 450,000 a month for the past number of months here that doesn't feel Actually, like a recession. each of the last 4 months have been between 350 and 400,000 it's a really tight range yeah yeah so, yeah. so but th those are really strong numbers right um and i think the same with the you know the the pmis right the the global all industry pmi made a nice two two and a half point step up which you would say if you just stopped there you'd say boy this is a really good week uh but you know looks can be pretty deceiving here and i think you know just starting with the us payrolls i think the thing that you would worry about and this is a point i think you've been pushing bruce is that in a world where you're getting strong job growth, strong wage growth, uh, and yet no GDP growth, or I shouldn't say no, but just soft GDP growth, um, that really does pose a challenge to corporate profitability. And that the question then remains, things are good now, but how long can corporates and businesses more broadly withstand the, the loss of, of, of profit profitability and still keep hiring? So that's, I think, point one to keep in mind. And then on the PMIs, I just point out that that was really masked by a stunning surge in China, which I think was up over 13 points. That's a, <laughs> that's a monster move in in uh in the pmis if you take out china you are seeing a loss of momentum here and it's across sectors it's it's the manufacturing and the service sector uh as we're heading here into mid-year so i think putting those together really tempers i think some of those headline readings uh that we're getting here and i think it still leaves us pretty pretty concerned about the uh, outlook as we're looking into the third quarter yeah and i think we should recognize that that uh, concern about the outlook is, you know, it's not, um, you know, centrally about um, the data flow, which is softened and all of your concerns, I think, are, are, are worth noting. But it's about that in a backdrop where there are other things that are kind of adding downside risk. There's the tightening of financial conditions and how that's linked to what the Fed and other central banks are doing. And of course, we did get Fed minutes this week, which uh, certainly keeps that that story moving. And we added, we added, um, we and then there's 75 also, as the next meeting. That's probably not surprising, but. Yeah, not, not surprising. Mike had been waiting for this number just to, to validate that call, but it'd been in his head 
uh, for a while here. But the Fed's not only going to, to, to 75 this month, but it's signaling, I think, pretty clearly in the minutes. Again, not that surprisingly, that it's decided it needs a, a restrictive policy stance. And it, it it's very clear that they want policy rates above 3%. So that's one thing. The other thing is, of course, the idea that while the concerns we've been raising are actually taking some pressure off commodity prices globally, uh, the energy sector concerns are uh, not not entirely going in the other direction, but certainly elevate risks of a of another supply shock there. Um, so why don't we talk about that? We did a lot of work on that this week as well. Yeah, let me first say before just getting into the energy price shock. I mean, I do think the the data flow itself uh, is is equally concerning, right? And I don't just mean the, the the PMIs. You're right. If we were just looking at even the ex China PMI, the levels remain relatively uh, relatively solid. Let's put it that way. Not not too concerning, but you know, good spending. That's actual data. Good spending has been kind of flat to contracting over the past few months. It looks like the U.S. probably will have, um, you know, contracting goods spending if we get our retail sales forecast right uh, for next week. Uh, you know, you've got sentiment numbers, which are just really nosediving across the household and business sector. Those are pointing to outright contractions in business CapEx. Um, you know, all of the mix of that, I think, does have you quite concerned. And the new orders numbers from the PMIs, even the ex-China with China, doesn't matter. The new orders numbers, you know, came off quite sharply here. And there's a pretty steep momentum loss that that has us concerned. So even as we're heading into the buzzsaw of this potential energy price shock uh, that, uh, you know, that we're going to kind of get into here, I think that that initial conditions has us very fragile. And in my mind, that's what keeps me kind of feeling like recession risks are really, really elevated. It's the combination of the fragility that we're seeing right now and the coming potential or extension of these headwinds that aren't fading as much as we thought. Um, I, I probably would describe it not quite as is ex as extreme in level of caution just looking at the data, but let me leave that and get to the issue, which I think is, you know, important here, which is regardless of what level of concern you want to put on the data, uh, the data is softening. Uh, and when momentum softening combines with new shocks, that's a dangerous mix. So you got, you got, you got the Fed moving policy tighter, other central banks that are going to be continued to, to push. And part of it's because the Fed and recession risks are now putting downward pressure on currencies in EM where you've had already a lot of tightening and it's not going to be able to really take that pressure off. And now you've got also in the background an issue we have to deal with, which is the energy sector. So let's let's kind of go into that now. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we put this piece out again, which was kind of updating some views, a, a note that we did earlier this year, just kind of surmising what would a uh, you know, a big uh, oil supply shock due to the global economy. And I think we were thinking about a doubling of oil prices that could push the global economy to a stall uh, over the over the coming year here and, uh, you know, threatening a global recession. That was largely just very 
kind of war wargaming the the kind of the oil price forecast little do we know that an actual war was going to break out one did uh and that has you know really sent shockwaves through the commodity space and here we are now we felt like things were maybe stabilizing a bit not that russia ukraine was going to resolve itself but that it was going to stay contained uh oil price had actually been kind of settling back down and i think our commodities team had a really good call on that and kind of fought the momentum of the market that wanted to see really high oil prices and and our commodity team said no they're going to come down that was right but now what's happening is is things are um you know there's threats out there and there's there's geopolitical threats that are building as as the west wants to kind of maybe stop a lot of these revenue flows that are coming into uh, Russia and put put more pressure on. That's a geopolitical call there. Uh, but that does threaten a big pullback of potential retaliation of Russia that we have to contemplate. And if we lost, say, as much as 3 million barrels per day from Russia, here we are again. That would push oil prices up to maybe as high as 190. And once again, that's something that could push the global economy probably into a recession where we see things, global GDP probably coming down to zero. Yeah, I think in that context, there are a couple of things to kind of just add on top of that. One being that part of the issue here is that Russia's sitting with uh, significant upward pressure on the ruble, its current account surplus rising, its capital account being part of the source of the pressure is you can't really see capital flow out with any confidence given the potential for uh, sanctions. Um, and that they've already started to do something, at least on the natural gas side, which is perhaps the more immediate concern. We're still talking about the 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 oil part of the story as as a risk, but the natural gas price spike we've seen in Europe suggests uh, that there's a, and and also the production uh, cutbacks in terms of exports through the pipelines. So there's something going on there, um, and it may actually be you know materially enough to to really do a lot of damage in Europe, even if we don't get the oil side of it. And then there's the oil side of it, which we have to worry about uh, together. So that I think is a pretty important story of uh, elevated concerns around all the other stuff we're, we're talking about. Yeah, I think our European team has said that if kind of TTF, the natural gas prices there, kind of stay in the 150 to 170 uh, uh, you know, range that they've spiked up to, you could be talking about taking as much as two percentage points off uh, GDP in the second half of the year, uh, which would, again, bring things close to- We don't have much to GDP a, to take off. That's about all Yeah, exactly. It would bring things close to a stall, right? Uh, so, I mean, that's, a, that's a, a, a pretty big shock if that happens. That's where your point becomes important because I think you can do the comparative static exercise of shaving X percentage points off because natural gas is up. But when you integrate that with the momentum slide, you integrate that with an ECB and the Fed that are on the move, these things don't tend to be additive. That's, that's I think, the, the problem we have right now in terms yeah. of- Although uh, I, I, w I will say, and I, I know you would agree with this, if we started contemplating or started going down this road of these types of shocks, I then think central banks would would get more growth sensitive. Is that- I, I think you would agree with that. I do, but I think they'll be yeah. they'll be late and little, and that's the problem. I think it's uh, they probably won't respond preemptively, and when they start to respond, they're going to have to deal with the fact that at least if we're getting the energy price shocks, uh, that you're still going to have elevated inflation. 
So I, I, I don't have a doubt that they'll respond. The question is whether they'll respond in a timely fashion. And, and you know, if the ECB is responding from a policy rate of 0.5 or so, it's not, it's not a huge response that they have. Yeah, so, no, uh, you're right. That's actually a really good point. ECB does not have a lot of wiggle room. It's not even like the Fed has that much. I imagine if if oil, let's just say, spikes. Fed will have one... it in, in two or three months, we hope, right? Yeah, well, maybe extra, not much. Probably but an extra if, 100, 2,500, extra 50 more. So. If oil spiked to 190 in the next two weeks, let's just say, would the Fed still hike 75 this month? If oil spiked to 190, I'd say no. But if oil spiked to 190, if oil spikes to 190 in two months, is the Fed going to ease 100 basis points or 200 basis points? You know, that's the issue. I don't think it's- I think, I think they would. Kind of, I think we'll they see. would. We'll see. How, this becomes one of the more interesting questions is how sensitive and at what level of rates do they become sensitive? But let's leave it there and, and just note briefly the pretty- uh, heavy dose of data we're going to get next week. Um, in the U.S., we've got a high side CPI number in June of 1.1%. And retail sales are going to, we hope, bounce back, but not be enough to offset what we think is the inflation gain. So it's still like really pointing to a, a negative real gain a second in a row. And Joe, why don't you take us home with the China data? <laughs> well, the the China data actually, I'm I, I'm gonna I haven't said this in a number of months, but I actually think there's upside risks. I, you, so we get the IP numbers uh, and the retail sales numbers. Uh, you know, we're you have that colossal plunge in uh, April. Uh, we've had a decent bounce back in May, but not nearly offsetting the decline. I think we have maybe 2.8 percent uh, on IP. That's the one I probably care about the most. And I would be shocked, given what the, the PMIs did, which I mentioned earlier, is up 13 points. Uh, given how we know that these reopening dynamics generally drive pretty big increases and China's going through a reopening, um, I would think they're getting pretty back to where they were before the shutdowns. And you know, if you get 2.8, I almost view that as a disappointment. We wouldn't recover that, right? So we'd still be- well, we, went down, we went down about over over seven and a half points uh, in months of March and April. So uh, I don't think that gets you ne nearly back to, 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 to the level you were in February if you get a 2.8 yeah. So I'll take the over so, on 2.8. Okay. So we'll we'll leave it. We'll that. check that out next week. <laughs> <laughs> Give us something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, and uh, thanks everybody for the conversation, and hope to continue to talk next week on JP Morgan TV.